0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dry Life Podcast, a podcast for the alcohol-free lifestyle and sober curious. I'm Kayla Lyons. And I'm Beth Bowen. We're so glad y'all are here. Now let's get started. All right. Today's guest is actually her second time here on the Dry Life Podcast. She's an advocate in the college community and a sober blogger. Welcome, Stephanie. Hey. Hey. Hello. I'm How so happy to
1: be back. I know. How are you? I'm doing well. I am graduating in about a week, so I've just Ooh-hoo. been doing all of the crazy things that come along with that and getting ready to take my finals and then be done with college. Are you
0: having a graduation party?
1: We are. We're having one with just my roommates and their families kind of in our apartment, so nice. it's not, nothing too big, but
0: yeah. Fun. Okay. Well, for anybody who may have not listened to your previous episode, why don't you tell the audience just like a little bit about you and, um, you know, your role in the sober online community? Yeah, so
1: I, my name is Steph, and I'm the creator of Funship Blog, and the name of that comes from... Kind of when I was feeling down in the dumps, sort of about being sober and about being alcohol free. And I was thinking, you know, what's the point of all this when all my friends were drinking? And was I really happy or sober? And I came to the realization that it's fun not to feel like shit, you know, when all your roommates yeah. are hungover and you wake up and you're bright eyed and bushy tailed. So, That's where that name come from, came from. Um, But I decided to get sober about six months after my 21st birthday, after just dealing with an unhealthy relationship with alcohol for many years, probably Mm -hmm. like since I started drinking. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just I was a blackout drinker, couldn't stop when I started and then started using alcohol in unhealthy ways to deal with stress and social anxiety and to numb my feelings. And so finally decided to make the decision to get sober and I've been alcohol free now for almost 15 months and wanted to start this blog because there were times when I felt very alone, especially being alcohol free at a younger age. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to show others because I knew there were others out there that they were not alone. And so this community that I've kind of built has really grown into a lot more than I ever expected. Um, I started a YouTube channel and I host my own zoom meetings for, uh, sober and sober curious college aged people. And so
0: it's been really great to connect with a lot of people. I know it's so amazing. Um, I wish that cause I got sober at 23 mm-hmm. and so, you know, that age range, it really is hard, uh, at first to find people to connect to because it feels like, especially, and you know. What I wanted to really talk about with you today is the the college culture and not even just getting sober, but being sober curious in college and mm-hmm. navigating that. And uh, with, you know, the world kind of going back to quote unquote normal um, in the fall, you know, students will be back on campus. Uh, that's to assume that you know parties and everything will you know resume and I'm sure at a much higher level than before because you know everyone has been cooped up um, at home for so long and uh, it's it's looking a little dangerous out there. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's definitely already ramped up where I live. I go to school in kind of Central Coast California and so mm-hmm. I don't know what tier we're in at this point, but bars are open. Um, and yeah, I've definitely noticed a lot more partying going on these past few months, past few weeks, um, especially with graduation coming up. So I definitely
0: have a lot to say about that. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, what you're going through right now. I mean, this is a huge, I mean, for a lot of people, one of, you know, your greatest life accomplishments is graduating from college. It's a massive deal, You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of the pivotal moment for a lot of people. You're leaving that bubble of like you're an adult, but you don't have like total full responsibility yet in the in the real, real world. And, you know, now you're officially going to be like, you know, completely independent and, you know, coming into the workforce and you did all that sober. And it's so cool because you got to be and you get to be present for that where mm-hmm. I feel like you said, you know, people are already raging. Um, and I bet you half that people won't even remember their, their graduation mm-hmm. or their college, uh, you know, their parties, which when you think about it is, is really sad. Um, I mean, what are you experiencing right now as you're going through that?
1: Yeah. So it's actually the perfect, when you texted me to record this, it was kind of like the perfect opportunity Um, And time because I've just, I've been pretty solid in my sobriety for the past few months. And then Mm -hmm. ever since the party started ramping up, it's honestly been getting harder and harder. I don't think I'm ever, I don't think I'm at the point, obviously never say never, but at the point where it would trigger me to drink. It's just more of the feelings of being left out right now. Mm -hmm. Mainly because, so currently I live with four other girls who are all in the same sorority. And I ended up leaving my sorority when COVID hit because I didn't want to pay. Um, And so they have their like senior week now. So yesterday it was bar golf, which is where they dressed up in kind of golf outfits and went to different bars and you have to take different drinks at each bar. Mm -hmm. And then today is their frat crawl. So they're going to each frat and just, the things that they were reading like the amount of alcohol that some of these fraternities bought for the girls like handles and handles and buckets of fireball shooters and for logos and all this stuff and so just like dealing with kind of dealing with that and dealing with them not only like dealing with them when they're drunk coming back from that but also just hearing them talk about it constantly because it obviously is a huge topic of conversation right now is how drunk everyone's getting before graduation. And you made a good point. I think I have definitely had some feelings of being left out and Mm -hmm. knowing that, Oh, that could have been me. But also, you know, it, I would not have remembered probably most of it. And just, this is such a wild phase of life to, It's the one time in my life that I've never had a plan of what I'm going to do afterwards. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm going to start looking for jobs and I kind of know like the area where I want to live, but it's the one time in my life where I've never like known the next step. And so I think a lot of people drink in celebration of leaving college, but also probably out of anxiety and stress because a lot of people don't know what they're doing. And I think being sober during this time, while, yes, it is hard having to miss out on a lot of those things, it also, like you said, allows me to be present during this phase of my life and remember all these celebrations, because that's the one thing that I'm struggling with the most and that I often struggle with is how to celebrate without alcohol, because whether it was a birthday or, you know, graduation or whatever event that we could do to celebrate or even like finals being over. I always was looking forward to drinking. And so now that I don't have that, I have to find different ways to celebrate. But when you're surrounded by people who only know how to celebrate with alcohol, it's kind of hard to you know, find people who are willing to do something else with you. Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm dealing
0: with right now. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily get better. (laughs) And I don't mean that as like a looming bad thing, but I think it's, a uh, something that I thought when I was in college, um, or as I was leaving college and when I was getting sober was, you know, okay, well, you know, I'll get older and everyone else will get older. And so we'll grow out of this, you mm-hmm. know, well, nobody's going to be drinking like this and partying like this at 30. It's just, you know, ridiculous. It's a phase. And now I'm 28. And I still have a lot of friends and acquaintance, like acquaintances, that do drink and party that way. And so I think there's this kind of myth, if you, if you will, you know, that like, okay, well, you know, once college ends, I'm gonna get my shit together, and uh, you know, I'll stop drinking and partying like this, and I'll, you know, get a job, and everything will be, you know, great. And I think you really have a one-up on a lot of people because you have essentially, you know, gotten your shit together, you know, maybe not perfectly, but Mm -hmm. a lot more than a lot of people your age. Um, And you're going to be so ready for the the next step in life. Whereas myself and I think a lot of other people who are going to transition really poorly because, you know, we know alcohol is alcohol. You can't just have a really bad habit of binge drinking every weekend. And then, you know, all of a sudden you graduate and, Oh, well, you know, I'm done doing that. Maybe Mm -hmm. like 1% of people, but the majority of people, like we are creatures of habit. And so that's going to turn into, you know, grad school life or, you know, what, whatever, you know, people go on to do. Um, And that's kind of the, I think a lot of people don't want to think about that. They, they want to just tie in like, oh, you know, I'm living my best life. It's college. That's what this is for. Um, But realistically, it's not like I, I really look back at my college experience and I feel like I missed out on a lot because of my drinking, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I wish I could kind of go back and participate in a lot more. And, you know, I don't know if I necessarily do Greek-like thing just because it is so alcohol-centered. But, you know, I I was a big sister for a fraternity, and so that involved, you know, mostly drinking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many other clubs and activities and so many thousands of people on campus to connect with, like, on a real level. And I think so many of us get caught up in, like, oh, I came here to party, and mm-hmm. I came here to enjoy myself when in reality, like you're spending like tens of thousands of dollars to get an education. And really, I know I, I walked away with very little uh, education mm-hmm. and um, I was lucky enough, you know, to, to get an internship and kind of work my way up. But I, I don't think, I, th- I think unfortunately the college system really supports this.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think also I feel very lucky, like you said, there are a lot of clubs and activities to get involved in. I think, where did you go to school again?
0: I went to Virginia Tech.
1: Okay. So I feel like in those places and especially kind of where I live, there's a lot to do outside of the college. Like I live near a Mm -hmm. beach and I live near hikes. And the other day, like, or the other weekend I went to Big Sur, which is arguably one of the most beautiful places in America. And I have lived- two hours south of there for the past four years and have never gone because of my drinking because I drank every weekend and so that's just like one thing that I get to experience but I think it is important to mention like I have friends who go to school in the middle of a cornfield and they don't have any other activities. Mm -hmm. That's kind of an exaggeration, but like, you know, they don't have other things to keep them occupied. So if you are in that situation and you want to get sober, but your college is really a party school and really centers around drinking and there's not anything else to do. I totally see how getting sober in college can seem much, much harder than if there is other things around to distract you. Yep. Um, but also to the point of how it doesn't necessarily end after college I think that's totally fair and I think that that's another thing I'm kind of nervous about because when you leave college and when you are trying to make friends in new areas it's often or at least from what I've seen is people going out to bars and people drinking yeah. together and I even had a friend text me the other day saying that she was going out with her friends her new friends that she just met in the city and they were all going out for drinks and that's just kind of how people bond in a sense and so what I'm trying to figure out is how am I going to meet people when I move to a new place without the bar scene and I know there are other ways but it's definitely I feel like going to be more work than just meeting up with someone at a bar becoming friends and then going out for drinks with them from then on. Oh yeah. yeah,
0: but realistically, right? Like, what kind of friendship is that really? Like, yeah, if if you're, and and not to say I'm not you know knocking people do that because I'm, you know, I I one of my best friends from college who I'm still very close with who visits quite often. We met like in the bathroom of a bar, mm-hmm. you know, like super, like a uh, retired party girl story. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean it's it's a tough transition, and I think anybody probably at any age socializing is a big um it's a blocker for us right like most people want to go grab a drink or you know if you're single most you know that's the first thing people suggest for a date and Mm -hmm. um not to say that you can't go do those things right because the cool thing about really the sobriety curious movement is that a lot of these bars and restaurants are now offering actual non-alcoholic options and not just like, you know, tonic water and lime or Mm -hmm. like Shirley temple. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can participate in your own way, but at the same time, to your point, like, sometimes I really remind myself, you know, as a sober person, I really don't have any business being in a bar uh, Mm -hmm. not because I feel threatened in my sobriety but just because I'm not interested in what's going on there Mm -hmm. um and so what you really have to do is get out of your comfort zone and like I also need to take my own advice with this right um but um there are a lot of ways like my boyfriend when he moved out here he didn't know anybody Um, And I was lucky enough, like when I moved down to Orange County from LA, I had already known him and all of his friends. So I kind of had like a, you know, a launch pad, but Mm -hmm. he really got into like um, joining, you know, adult sports teams and going on like the meetup.coms are really popular. Like there's running clubs and there's like pretty much a club for everything. Um, And I think with like the online sober and sober community, especially now, I swear, I see, you know, new accounts and new communities popping up every day. Mm -hmm. Um, you can actually really meet people in a new area through Instagram. And I mean, that's how I met, you know, Esther from sober Mm -hmm. otter Shay from no booze babes. Like they both live right down the street from me. And, you know, I probably never would have just bumped into them. Um, and, and we don't do AA. So it's not like I would, you know, meet them at a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely more effort, but I think, you know, these friendships that I have now are so much more intimate and meaningful than a lot of the relationships that I had in college or in high school that were really just revolved around drinking. And maybe I spent more time with them or, you know, it seemed like it was, uh, a. a you know, a more impactful friendship, but really, you know, I really only talked to like one or two of those people ever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's kind of also what I'm realizing now, which has been a little bit hard, but realizing that yes, after I leave college, I'll probably be able to count on the amount of people on one hand that I will stay in touch with and will Mm -hmm. continue to see, um, and that's yeah that's just because I think I I joined a sorority, met all those girls and then started drinking with them and then got a boyfriend very early on and I think both of those things kind of prevented me from having motivation to really go out and try new things and meet new people um but I have been taking pointers from my boyfriend too because he moved to a place where he didn't know anyone either. Mm. And I swear every day he FaceTimes me and he's like, oh, I met a new guy at the gym or i met the oh, coffee, <laughs> coffee. We're, we're going to get dinner tonight. And it, it has just shown me that there are people out there that you will become friends with, but you can't just keep your head down when you go to the gym or the coffee shop and not like talk to anyone. It does take effort. But totally. yeah, I am. I'm just excited about to develop more connections and meet new people and live in a new a new place
0: you should be excited this,
1: yeah out of this college drinking environment and I know that it's not going to be you know it's going to be easier but not not easy because outside of college there'll be a lot of other challenges that come with sobriety but
0: yeah but I I'm think optimistic you are and And I I mean, I can tell you as somebody who has been in in recovery for almost five years that like I've probably endured some of probably definitely some of the hardest moments in my life, Um, very low points. um, But I don't think I would have really survived without being sober. I, I wouldn't have handled those situations the way that I did. I wouldn't have known how to cope properly. And so I think. Beyond just not drinking alcohol, being alcohol free or being sober, really helps prepare you for a lot of other things because you you just build like you know people talk about a sobriety toolkit, but it's really a life toolkit. You know, Mm -hmm. I use a lot of the same coping mechanisms that I do for you know my sobriety, for my anxiety, for my panic attacks, Um, and so it's it's all convergent. you know, Mm -hmm. it's just about, I think, taking care of your mental health and, you know, kind of watering, watering all your plants and keeping your watering holes strong and your watering holes being, you know, your, your support group, your, your friends, your family, um, you know, whatever community that you connect with the most. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did want to talk to you specifically about, you know, advice for people who are listening who are young and in college and feeling anxious about the summer and especially about going back to to school in the fall because Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people have been online and I know some schools have have been back on campus but not like full capacity Mm -hmm. so you know this coming fall is going to be back to business as usual, and I imagine uh, full throttle. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well,
1: one thing I will say to that is this is a thought that I often had and that often gets brought up in my meetings from sober curious people in college. And they they often ask, you know, why should we quit drinking now? Why should we get sober now? We're so young. We want to be able to live it up in our 20s. And that's something that I definitely – stopped me from um, quitting drinking because I also wanted to quote unquote, live it up. And Mm -hmm. I had to kind of come to the realization over time while being sober, you know, someone somewhere society has put this, in the idea in our heads that living it up means drinking and getting wasted and being blackout drunk. When Mm -hmm. you, if you really think about it and you really dissect it, you know, what about that is living it up? I have I've learned and tr- kind of discovered that living it up to me means remembering everything from the night before or not being hungover and being able to go on that hike or get coffee with the friend and not bail for the fifth time because I'm too hungover mm-hmm. and exploring my college town and fully you know diving into my academics because I mean that's truly what most people are there for and I feel like a lot of people I definitely lost sight of that for a while um, you know, you're there to learn and people are there to party to kind of make the learning a bit more fun. But you are there to learn. And there's there's just so many definitions of what living it up can mean. And I think a lot of people are just stuck in the idea that it has to mean drinking. Um. So once I got that through my head, I found that it was a bit easier mm. to kind of justify, you know, going to a movie well I haven't really gone to a movie in a while <laughs> but I'm going to one tonight so that's why that's I mean in my head but like doing that when all my roommates are at the bar crawl or you know sometimes I feel like oh this might be kind of lame or boring for me to do this but I I always I don't know where I heard this from I am i don't know but thinking of the alternative is always a good advice mm. of you know if I did go to these things I probably wouldn't remember them would we, be blacked out and all of that Um, I have a couple like solid tips that I have learned, Yeah, which I guess I'll share. Um, Yes, please. Some of them might be obvious, but I'll share them anyways. The first one is to definitely plan something else to do when your friends are out and you don't want to go. Cause definitely in the beginning of your sobriety journey or wherever you're at, you may feel triggered going to certain events. And so you may choose not to go to them like this past weekend a couple of my roommates went to Vegas and I was debating on going, wasn't sure if I was going to have fun. And I decided, you know, I'd rather put my money elsewhere where I know I'll have a good time. So I didn't go to that, but I, so that's when I ended up going to big, Sur, And I know that big, Sur, you know, we didn't have service. I couldn't look at my phone. I couldn't see their Snapchat stories and I planned something else to do while they were doing that. So Mm -hmm. that really helped keep me distracted. And I wasn't just, you know, sitting in my room, pitying myself. And same thing, like when my friends are at the bar, I'll plan, you know, something else to do. Yeah. Just to keep me distracted. Um, with that too, like social media can be very hard to look at when you are first getting sober, like Snapchat stories, Instagram stories, because it's just so, it's so interesting that when you're out of that culture, you can see how much of that culture it, it's just everything revolves around it I swear every Snapchat story that I see is someone drinking or something involving alcohol and now there's even have you heard of drinking buddy
0: no what is that
1: it's like Instagram but for drinking so oh my god a lot of my friends Gosh. have it and you just like post when you're drinking and you get notifications when other people are drinking and it's just like to me that's just like so pointless but definitely staying off social media in times when I'm feeling like particularly vulnerable or left out really helps. Um, and yeah, just boundaries is really important and making sure that you do have a community to support you, whether that's online or whether that's in person, because I do, I feel lucky that I have supportive roommates, but I mean, at the end of the day, they will never fully understand Mm -hmm. what I'm going through unless they themselves too, you know, try to give up alcohol, just like my boyfriend, like he's so supportive, but he was one of those people, like you said, who binge drank or yeah, binge drank all of senior year. And then after that, he was like, all right, I'm done with that. And now he sticks to like one beer when he goes to dinner every couple of weeks. And I'm like, how, how do you do that? But so he's super supportive, but he'll never fully understand. So that's why finding a community Of people that's why I wanted to start my own meetings and finding people my age who are going through the same thing is so beneficial because if you're at home alone and you're feeling left out if you just have one person to text or a group chat to text of people who are going through the same thing they don't even have to know what to say but it really does help to know that you are not the only person
0: who is going through that so oh completely I think that's great advice and I, I mean, at any age, right, but definitely, mm-hmm. um, I have to, I have to find myself doing the same thing and kind of keeping my phone at a distance if, like, my boyfriend's going out with friends and I don't want to go, mm-hmm. and not, not even so much because I feel left out, uh, because I'm obviously choosing not to go, um, But there is, you know, that romantization that comes back sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, I think there's always going to be a part of you that feels a little bit left out until society starts changing to where things don't revolve around alcohol so much. And I Mm -hmm. think that honestly, it's happening quicker. Um, Maybe it's not going to happen in the next year or so, but in the next like 10 years, like I really don't see our society being so like alcohol centric, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Um, but you know, it's kind of like, well, what about everybody else in the meantime? Um Mm -hmm. and I think you you brought up some really great points because uh you know out of sight, out of mind really is true for a lot of things. And I mean the the same thing even for me like when I watch certain like reality shows, just you know, like my guilty pleasure stuff, but Mm -hmm. Sometimes I kind of find myself feeling a little bad afterwards or feeling like, oh, that, you know, that looks really fun. But like would I really like, I don't know. Do you watch Siesta Key? I do not. Okay. So it's just like an MTV show. It's like uh, a a newer version of like Laguna Beach or Newport, Mm -hmm. just about a bunch of kids. But basically one of the cast members recently got sober and they all went on this like big trip to this island that one of the boyfriends who has a lot of money like he rented them all this island for like a month wow sounds crazy right (laughs) you're like that's awesome let's you know Mm -hmm. but she opted out and she's like I'm not gonna go and I think she ends up actually leaving the show this season Uh um which makes sense right because Mm -hmm. when you look at other reality stars not everybody but you know, there have been other reality people who they get sober and then they leave because they're like, okay, this is really toxic. And Mm -hmm. this environment is very about alcohol and about drama and it's kind of pushed on to you. And so, but it, it kind of had me thinking, you know, like there are times when our friends have gone to like trips to Palm Springs and stuff. And I've opted out, not necessarily because I didn't, want to go to Palm Springs because I love Palm Springs, but Mm -hmm. because I knew I wasn't going to have the best time. I knew that I was going to be tempted, you know, and I knew that it wasn't necessarily like the healthiest, the healthiest environment for, for me to be in, you know, because I think there are many of us who can, like, I I can be around alcohol for a long time and it really doesn't bother me, but I think we all have our social battery limits Mm -hmm. um and especially too like I think the assumption is oh like you know people you only drink when you're anxious or you're sad or that's really the only time you have to be cautious or aware which is not true at all like I know for me like I'm just as at risk if not more of drinking when I'm in like celebratory mode Mm -hmm. than actually drinking when I'm sad because I have many, many coping mechanisms for my anxiety and other things now that I would p- much prefer to do over drinking. But when you're in that like vacation mode, summer break mode, whatever, you know, I'm on a boat in Newport beach mode, like, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to get past like, Oh, it would be nice to have, you know, like yeah. you said, a drink or, you know, all your friends are going to the bar called that looks really fun. Like, and it's mm-hmm. not the exact same with a mocktail. Like, you know, we're not lying here and mm-hmm. saying it is because it's not. Um, but it's the trade-off. And I was just with um, friends last weekend for, like, a Memorial Day barbecue. And it was a day thing, which for me, like, I, I can do day things a lot more easily
1: mm-hmm. for some I reason agree. than night things. yeah.
0: Um, just people are less drunk. And I, I think um, – I don't know what it is, but just, you know, daytime events are better. So, um, we went and I had a really good time, but part of me was a little like, Oh, you know, they brought all these new drinks and I got sober before any of the white claws or any of that stuff was out. So mm-hmm. like, I've never tried any of that stuff. Not that it's quality or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, you, I'm, I'm a curious person and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it did cross my mind. At one point, um, I was like, Oh, you know, maybe I could have one or something, you know, I was like, No, you know, I'm good. Um, you know, it's kind of that passing thought. And then I just remember going home and my boyfriend, I think he he just stayed there and I, and I left. But you know, he was not feeling very great the next day. Mm-hmm. And it it just kind of reinforced like, Oh, yeah, well, you know, maybe he had like 20% more fun than I did or something, you know, but is it worth the anxiety and the shitty feeling the next day? And I, I just never, at least now, like never see the, the pros outweighing the cons. Yeah. I definitely
1: feel the same way. I feel like the anxiety leading up to certain events Mm -hmm. is a lot worse than actually being at them I mean, yeah, of course, there's events and like day things, night things, whatever you want to go to that end up being horrible and you have to go and you feel super shitty afterwards. But the majority yeah. of the things that I've gone to, I'm so anxious and stressed about are people going to ask me why I'm not drinking? and What am I going to say? And am I going to be awkward? And then once you're there, it's a lot better, I think, than it. I don't know. It's a lot. I'm not going to say it's easier than it seems because it definitely can not be sometimes but mm-hmm. I've I've never regretted my choice not to drink you know I've definitely regretted my choices to drink and so making it through something like that not drinking you just feel very empowered afterwards and like getting into bed and you're not spinning and you're not like nauseous and you you know that you had a good time and just showing yourself that you can have a good time without it, it it's really motivating Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So I know you said,, um, you know, this last fifteen months, you've been alcohol free. Um, what kind of gave you the courage to make that finalized decision because you were still in college, you still, you know, probably could have validated to yourself like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna keep, you know living my best life or you know, whatever you know validation mm-hmm. we give ourselves um what what made you really decide to put your foot down and say you know what enough is enough um you know i don't care that i'm in college i'm not you know i'm not going to deal with this anymore
1: yeah for me i i would say that i guess it could be considered courage but i think it was more of me trying to i was just fed up with mm-hmm doing damage control every it seemed like every single weekend having to text people to apologize for things that I'd said or having to text people and asking them what I said because I didn't remember and losing sight really of myself and kind of realizing that I had really just succumbed to the drinking culture in college and I wasn't focusing on school and I wasn't focusing on my grades and I think the ultimate like nail in the coffin for me was I attempted to get sober, made it about 30 days and then was having those thoughts of, you know, am I truly happy or sober? Like, I don't think I am. And so then I tried to drink again and told myself I was going to have two beers and then ended up blacking out that day. And so realizing that really nothing had changed. Mm hmm. And my boyfriend kind of gave me an ultimatum at that point, And he was like, I need you to commit to being sober because I'd put him through so much at that point. Um, yeah. Or he said, I need you to commit to trying to be sober. He didn't even say that I had to get sober. But at that point, I wasn't even trying to get sober. So he told me to really start trying. And so that was kind of the final push that I needed. Um, but it was just my quote unquote bottom was just basically an entire year's worth of just blackouts and damage control and anxiety and my grades slipping Mm -hmm. and just realizing that I had did not I did not like who I was becoming and just the life that I was living it was just a very sad existence when I realized that I literally didn't know how to have fun without alcohol and my friends would ask me to go on hikes. And I remember it was like Saturday morning, I would be on the hike. And the only thing I would be thinking about was, when is this hike going to be over? Because I want to go drink at a danger or something. Mm -hmm. And so starting to, yeah, just realizing that I truly, truly was so, I guess, obsessed with alcohol that I just didn't, I just didn't know like what life was like without it or what to do without it. Um, and it just controlled every thought that I was having. And so I think just being fed up more than being, I feel like, courageous in that sense was was what really did it for me. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it it is courageous, though, because when you think about all of the amount of people in the world yeah. who, and no age limit, right, like, mm-hmm. who are still like living at that bottom point like you can always dig deeper yeah, and but- in a negative way right like mm-hmm. like i i think there's this disillusioned idea of a rock bottom but like i have to remind myself like i can always dig deeper like mm-hmm. because if i if i tell myself like this is the worst it's going to get then i might be like all right well you know i i survive so you know i can handle it um but i think you know no matter how bad it gets anytime somebody says, all right, I'm fed up, you know, I'm, I'm going to turn this around. That does take courage because, you know, like I really, the, the bottom here, right. Is like death, mm-hmm. like, like you, you either, you know, keep digging until you, you overdose or you get alcohol poisoning or, you know, you end up in a very dangerous situation or, a you know, a drunk driving accident. Like there are a lot of ways that this could end negatively. And yeah. so I think any any point, and this is why there's such a spectrum, anybody who's deciding that they're fed up, it's it's awesome because like the the latter is is extremely heartbreaking um and and earth shattering for everybody in your life when that happens and it's happening, you know, more often. Mm-hmm. Um but how did you, I know this is kind of like you know it's hard to explain to you when when people ask me this but maybe if if you try to put it into some sort of words like Mm -hmm. I know you don't think you're being courageous but I'm gonna call you out on that because I think you are um (laughs) you know what kind of gave you that that push though from being that I'm fed up where I think a lot of people the first phase of that is like self-pity like you know I'm feeling Mm -hmm. bad for myself everybody hates me you know um, it's And it's really easy to continue to just do the cycle because you're so in a hole, right? Like, mm-hmm. my friends, I'm doing damage control constantly. I'm angry. You know, I'm upset. I'm depressed. I'm going to lose my relationship. Like, fuck. Um, what really, was there a moment for you where you kind of were at that fork in the road where you were like, you know what, I could continue to do this. Mm-hmm. But. I, I don't want to anymore. Like I'm, I'm going to take the opposite way.
1: Yeah. I think that moment for me, I had listened to so many podcasts. I had, you know, tried to find things on YouTube and just like find someone to connect with. And I think I, I sort of realized that, you know, the easy, there was, there was a decision to make, you know, there's the decision of, continuing to drink and continuing to do damage control mm. and that in itself is hard. The drinking part, you know, continuing to do whatever everyone else is doing is the easy part, but then all the aftermath of that is hard. And then the other fork in the road, the other side of that is it's hard to, you know, get sober and be sober in a binge drinking environment. And so I think I remember seeing this quote on Pinterest or something and it was like, which do you want the pain of staying where you are or the pain of growth? And there was obviously I could stay where I was and that would be hard or I could grow from it. And that would also be hard. And so it was kind of picking which sort of hard that I wanted to do. And I knew that, you know, the latter was going to end make me end up in a better place than where I started. So despite the fact that it was hard, it was really going to get me to a better place. And, so once I finally took that first step and kind of posted about my struggles, because I think being open about your own struggles is one way that can really motivate you to keep going because then you know that people are there to support you. And I mean, it doesn't have to be like I did, like posting on Instagram. It can just be telling one person, but vocalizing it is really and really what pushed me because when I kept it all inside, it was, you know, easier to hide my drinking and people didn't know that I wanted to cut back. And so they just let me continue drinking and no one was mm-hmm. monitoring me. And so, yeah, once I posted on Instagram and just the feedback that I got from that of other people saying, you know, I'm going through this too kind of was the final thing that was like, Oh, I am not alone in this because for so long I I thought I was. And so Sometimes I even like to this day, like get embarrassed when people talk about my blog or when new people that I know start following me. And I'm like, oh, now these people know that I'm sober and these people know. And everyone, it seems like in my college town, I feel like when I see people, I just the first thing I think of is like, oh, do they know I'm sober? And so (laughs) it's like, but to battle like all those thoughts every day, I, I do get embarrassed sometimes. But then what over what outweighs that? is just hearing other people talk about how much I've helped them and how much I've inspired them. And so that what really, you know, makes me want to keep doing this for as long as I can and really help change the narrative that you need to be drinking in college to have a good time because it's really not the
0: case. Totally. And I think that most people who are judgmental in this space are, it's a lot of projection Mm -hmm. and most people you come across are really actually very supportive um, or, and they, uh, you know, they have a lot of admiration for people who don't drink, you know, um, and it doesn't really matter why, you know, you don't have to divulge your entire life story to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, I think no is a complaint sentence when, mm-hmm. when you're out. And if you want to tell people your journey, then like more power to you. And if, and if you don't, then that's kind of the cool thing about social media, right. Is like the anonymity of, Instagram or forums and things like that. And I know it's been cool to watch from like a community standpoint, seeing a lot of new accounts come in Mm -hmm. that don't have a name and don't have a face to it. And then over time seeing them post who they are Mm -hmm. and change their name and be more open. And, you know, I think that's a really great option too, because I'm like you, I have to put myself accountable so mm-hmm. if I'm if I put myself out there no matter what it is like if I put it on Instagram or you know I email or I say it in a meeting whatever then it's out there and I've and I'm I'm a committed person so I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not that kind of person or maybe you're not ready, you know, then there's no harm in you know joining these communities. There's so many online that you don't have to be so open yeah, you can kind of sit in and listen at, you know, on zoom meetings or, you know, join like an app, like the reframe app and, you know, go into the forum and you can make up a username that has nothing to do with your real name. So nobody knows your identity. And, um, I think it's not so much about, about shame. Um, even though I think a lot of us still kind of have that like residual stigma, um, but it's getting lesser and lesser. Um, Mm -hmm and to your point everything's always harder our anxiety brains tell us like oh it's going to be everyone's going to judge me or everyone's going to know or you know people aren't going to like me and i i've rarely in the last 4 years come across any of those situations most people for the i would i would say like 99% of the time are like super supportive and they think it's so cool and they want to know like how and i've even had many people come up and ask for advice, people who I would have never thought would. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you kind of are that follow the leader and it's a little bit um, vulnerable because you're, you know, at the front of the line. And so you're kind of having to take the brunt of, you know, the judgments or, you know, people not understanding and, and things. But I think, especially like people like you who are like, really young um you know you get to be a role model for everybody else out there that's still in college that is wondering about sobriety or wondering about cutting back but has absolutely no idea where the fuck to go Mm -hmm. um or has you know zero interest in more traditional programs and so You know, like you said, it's exactly for every one person who's maybe judging you, you have 10 other people who are looking at you going, wow, I'm so glad I found this page or these, these meetings, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what I would do without them. And so that for sure makes everything worth it.
1: Yes, totally agree. I've never, I've never had any bad feedback. Um, Maybe behind my back, but I I don't know about that. (laughs) I've never had anyone you know, DM me. I've never had like any negative comments. Um, Yeah, it's all been super positive. And I think, I think especially too in college, being someone who is very open about being sober, it gives other people the option to be sober. Mm Because I know when I sometimes was like, oh, like, I feel like when a lot of people are really excited to go out to the bar, you know, chances are some of them aren't, but they are just beating off everyone else's excitement. And I know there's been times when I've been like, are you guys down to skip the bar? Like, can we do something else? And then some people are like, Oh, thank God. Like we don't want to go either, but we're doing it for other people. So everyone kind of mm-hmm. just thinks and assumes that everyone wants to drink all the time. When in reality, you know, it doesn't really have to be that way. And I feel like a lot of people like you being me being sober and, it just gives other people the option like, oh, maybe we don't have to drink or maybe drinking is not what this night has to turn into. Um, But yeah, definitely if, if judgment and fear of what other people are going to say is one of the main things that you, that is holding you back from being sober. I think you really need to smash that real quick because yes, like you said, like some people will judge, but it will be majority positive because at the end of the day, you are doing what's right for you and for your mental health. And how can someone judge you for that?
0: Oh, yeah. And at yeah. the end of the day, right, like I think the funny thing is those the same people that were judging me the most or who are most apprehensive to maybe get close to me because I met them and they were really partying hard and they probably thought I was judging them, you know, because it's mm-hmm. like I think many people have a distorted you know, idea of what a sober person is like, mm-hmm, just like they have a distorted version of like what an alcoholic or what somebody with an alcohol use disorder looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we get that chance to like break that stigma down and make it easier for the next person. Because I know I go out and I still, you know, I'm not like a hardcore partyer anymore, but I still make an appearance. You know, and I'm still mm-hmm. going out to dinner and, I'll, and I still. Like to host and things. Um, mm-hmm. and there's definitely been a few very validating times when people who definitely were a bit cold to me later on were the ones to kind of come back mm-hmm. and be curious about, oh, well, you know, I, I looked at your a thousand hours drive page, or, you know, mm-hmm. um, do you have any books to recommend a- and stuff? So I think mm-hmm. really being like uh, as empathetic and understanding. As you can be, um, in any situation, but especially this, if somebody is being negative towards your sobriety, it's much, much more likely that it's a reflection of what's going on with them internally and in their relationship with alcohol. Yes, than it has to do with your sobriety. Like I, I would bet money on it. So definitely, definitely. You know how I like to wrap it up, stuff. If you could give one piece of advice to somebody right now who is getting ready to go back to campus in the fall and maybe they're sober maybe they're sober curious um you know and they're not sure what steps to get well like what steps to take to navigate um and to protect their sobriety or to start that sobriety journey um what would you tell them
1: my my number one thing would be to find a community whether that is in person or online there are tons of online communities Um, I did it I got sober pretty much on my own I went to a counselor at my school because it was free that was like the first thing that I did and then pretty much after that did it on my own for six months and then realized you know I would really benefit from hearing other people who are going through the same thing that I'm going through and so that's when I I started going to the retired party girl meetings. And then from that, I started going, making my own meetings. And so, and -hmm. the difference that I've noticed just in my mindset from battling it with others is like night and day. And so, and sometimes I'll be feeling off during the day or during the week. And then I'll go to a meeting, whatever meeting you want to do, whether that's AA um, and, It'll just make me feel so much better. So yeah, if you don't feel like there is a solid, sober community at your college, because I know that can be kind of hard to find in person, Mm -hmm. there's so many great options online that
0: you can join. And so I think that would be my number one tip. Absolutely. And from my point of view, as somebody who, you know, working with Reframe and working with these um collegiate recovery programs Mm -hmm. there are a lot of schools who maybe they don't advertise them but I know you know your school being one of them like they are starting to pop up and have like recovery programs so if you're not sure it's it's easy enough to either get a get a hold of the student wellness center or um you know just google like your school and then like recovery program And see what pops up because I've been able to connect with a lot, a lot of different universities, recovery programs that have just started popping up in the last couple of years. And so I I was honestly very surprised to hear some of these schools have like sober lounges and, and just shit that I was like, Oh my God, like I want, I wish that I had that when I was there. So it's pretty cool. But thank you so much for being a guest again, Steph. It's always a pleasure
1: Of course. I, I always love talking with you and I love just the conversational style of this podcast. And thank you so much for having me back.
0: Of course. And anybody who wants to connect with Steph, I'm going to put her information in the uh, episode details. So have a great day, Steph. Thank you so much again.
1: Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Thank y'all for
0: tuning into The Dry Life, a podcast for the sober and sober curious, presented by Reframe. My name is Beth and my co-host Kayla and I drop a new podcast every Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode.